Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Y'all. I'm in Nairobi. I love it here. Unfortunately, I won't spend a lot of time here. I'm going to a couple other places in Kenya and I had to go through Nairobi in order to get to them. I'm only here for two days and then like I leave and I go to the other places and then I'm back again for two days and then I head back to Accra. I wish I had more time here. I went to a mall earlier today. There was an oyster bar. I met this really dope black woman. Her name is Courtney. She and her husband work in foreign service. And we just sat down and had this amazing like three hour conversation. So we just talked about life and living abroad and being black American in Africa, in her case, raising a family. It was just really dope. And I was reminded that this is one of the reasons that I love to travel. You can go great places. You can see jaw dropping views. But the people, but the people that I connect with and the stories that are shared about people. You know, I'm obsessed with history. 
If you haven't noticed, the first day I spend in most new cities, I usually head to a museum first. The stories of people, historical and current, reading about them, talking to them, is what really does it for me. But that experience of just sitting down with a fellow Black woman and talking about her experience in East Africa versus mine in West Africa and all the other places that she's lived. She's been in foreign service for a while. Yeah, but just a really dope day. I had a list of things that I was supposed to do today. One of them was go to this rooftop. It's not the tallest building, but it's a tall building and it has amazing views. Last time I was in Nairobi, which I think was 2015, my friends and I had gone up to that rooftop to go back all these years later was really a great experience. I just, I wish I had more time here. I guess I could change my flight if I really wanted to. I go on safari tomorrow. I'm trying to catch the last bit of the great migration. You know how birds at home fly south for winter and then come back north? And Kenya, because it has so many animals, so many different types of animals, they do an annual migration. So right now, allegedly, they're supposed to still be in Maasai Mara. Like It finishes in October. I'm recording this on October 24th, 9.55. So I'm getting the tail in, but hopefully there's a few left. The woman I was speaking with earlier, Courtney, she went on safari a couple of weeks ago to Maasai Mara. And she was like, yeah, girl, they, 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 the animals, they still running. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see them. So our next episode, I don't know what's going to be in the background. Hopefully it'll just be me in the tent. I don't know who's going to be outside the tent and what noise they'll be making. Last time I went on safari, there were like hyenas outside the tent. And I was like, oh, God, I could hear them laughing all night. And I was like, "Ooh, that's that's a lot. A little sliver of cloth between me and a hyena. There's a lot going on this week. But I want to talk about something. Actually, I want to talk to someone. And last week, there was a story on the Daily Beast about a woman, a black woman, who is suing Planned Parenthood. She alleges racial discrimination and wrongful termination. And the Daily Beast described her lawsuit as a sprawling complaint that covers multiple years and more than a dozen employees. So I read the whole article and she talked about things like her supervisor insulted her. Her direct supervisor was half Cuban. She talked about previous allegations of racism at Planned Parenthood. BuzzFeed did a couple stories in 2020 about that. She talked about how it came up in the office and her boss, a black woman, was like, oh, we're going to get to the bottom of, of who did this. She talks about things that happened to her. She also talks about things that happened to other people. She talked about one woman, a black woman, a colleague wanted to pet her hair. The black woman said, no, you can't touch it. The woman who wanted to do the petting was offended. The black woman went to HR and was like, hey, they wildin'. And HR was like, oh, you're playing the race card. There was another guy at the job, a white guy, and he was going around telling people that he was a black woman trapped in a white man's body. It's a bunch of crazy shit. And I was reading it and I was like, you mean I could have sued for all of this? Every example that she gave in this article, I was like... That's happened to me in some capacity. She also has several incidents that this Daily Beast article lays out in detail. I'll just give you an overview. But basically, she says she was hired as a director to do a job, multicultural branding director at that. But she's like, I was hired to do this job at a director's level. And whenever I would make suggestions like, you know, hey, you want bigger opportunities? You want to get more eyeballs in front of whatever we're working on? Like, we should do this or we should do that. And she would be chastised for doing her job, essentially. 
And she's like, all the things that people tell you that you're supposed to do to be a team player, if you will, go above and beyond. And then she's like, every time I tried to suggest something, I would be shut down. And she was like, and not just shut down, like, oh, no, I don't think that's a good idea. But she was like, I would be berated. She worked for Planned Parenthood for almost two years. A month before she was terminated, she ended up in the ER from an anxiety attack. And she says it was directly caused by her job. So the woman's name is Nicole Moore. I know two people named Nicole Moore. There's a picture with the article, but I really wasn't paying attention. But Nicole Moore is a, a super common name. So it just didn't put two and two together for me. So I read this article and I wanted to talk about it. And I cut it from last week's episode. And I was like, oh, I'll get to it this week. Over the weekend, I'm up. I told you in Nairobi, seven hours ahead. It's three hours ahead of Ghana. So my, my internal clock is all over the place. I'd be up at like 5.30 every morning. I was just up. Breakfast wasn't even being served yet at the hotel. So I was scrolling on Facebook and I saw Nicole Moore, one of my friends, Nicole Moore, posting about Planned Parenthood. And she was saying, yeah, it's me. She was like, people keep asking me like, like this uses. So I hit her up and I was like, girl, I had no idea. I didn't know it was you. We had a DM conversation and she was like, yeah, let me know if you want to talk. I assumed she wouldn't because it's an ongoing lawsuit. And so she was like, no, if you want to talk, I'd love to. And I was like, well, girl, like I'm, I got an episode going up on Friday. We could do this tomorrow. She asked if she could have her, um, her legal team on the call, which was fine. I was like, girl, you got a lawsuit going. I'm not trying to have you say anything that sinks your battleship. So that's fine. But yeah, so, you know, we figured out our schedules and I was able to speak to her and I'm able to share that conversation with you. Hey, Nicole. Demetria, I know it's been a it's been a minute since we've talked talked. Um, I can actually re- almost remember when it was when she's got to have it dropped and you were hosting the premiere. Yeah, that was a long time ago, 2018. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow, I know. <laughs> I feel like I keep up with you because I follow you on Facebook or we're friends on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. I just was you know, telling my attorneys this, they were like, did she reach out to you? I was like, it's just the oddest thing because you're not the only person you, you were probably the third person that day to be like, wait a minute, you're the Nicole that I read about on daily beast. I'm like, yep, that's me. So a lot of people haven't been connecting the dots. I think they're just, I'm, you know, I'm not that kind of person to like do this. I don't know if there is a type of person, but I, I definitely have rallied before and I'm, I've, protested in front of the Supreme Court. But um, yeah, this is a whole new level. So yeah, that that is me. No, so it didn't. The reason I didn't necessarily think of you wasn't because I didn't think you were, you know, about that life. It was just because like, you know, you have a super common name. Like I actually have another friend also named Nicole Moore. So like I read the article and I was like, oh, okay, Nicole Moore for Planned Parenthood is, is suing them. And like, you know, this story is crazy, but like never in a million did I think like, oh, I know Nicole. It just it didn't cross my yeah. mind. <laughs> right, okay. right. My bad. Literally, this is a great example of like Facebook and social media bringing people together. Because I was scrolling on my feed over here in Nairobi. I'm like running around East Africa, and up late one night scrolling, and I saw you posted, and I was like, "Wait a minute! Are you kidding me?" <laughs> and that's when I reached out, and I was just like, "Hey, girl, hey." Right, right, right. 100%. The magic and power of social media. I love it. I love it. How's Nairobi? Nairobi's Nairobi. I'm interested in you, girl. Are you? 
I am, I'm good. I'm actually surprised that I'm so good. I, I thought, you know, I just prepared for the worst. Honestly, like I said, it's, it's as you may or may not know, just to speak up. And, you know, we always love to say, oh, be a good troublemaker, you know, speak truth to justice. It's not that easy. It's very scary. It's, um, it's a lot. Like I've lost friends. I've, you know, I, it's been a lot, but it's been mostly 96% amazing. Um, in terms of the response I've gotten from people, so much support, so much love, so much, um, sympathy and empathy and and so many people sharing their own stories, like people feeling now more inspired than ever to speak up. So I feel I'm not, I'm in a good place. You know, I'm not in a bad place. I've had bad days, but overall I'm in a good place. Well, let me ask you this. So even before, like before this interview will start on my podcast, I would have briefed the readers and said, Hey, there's this article I've read and it's about, you know, X, Y, Z. And I would tell them some of the details. I'm going to ask you in your own words to share some things. Um, but before we jump into that, can you tell me like, what was the, the catalyst for you to actually file a lawsuit, I think, but also just decide like, I'm going to do something. Cause I don't think the first thing you probably thought was like, I'm going to file a lawsuit, but like, this is wrong and this shouldn't have happened to me or anyone else. And something must be done. What made you do something? Hmm. I think it was, it wasn't just one thing. It was one, when I was terminated, I knew something was going to happen. But honestly, when it happened, I was shocked because um, when you, you know, read the story, you'll read and understand that I was, I was given a final warning and I was given maybe, I don't know, seven things that I had to complete in 30 days. And so I, um, went crazy and and I probably completed six of those seven things and was almost like six and a half. You know, I was almost done with the last thing before that thirtieth day, and so I didn't think they would terminate me because I did what I was supposed to do and I did it well. So when it happened, I was really shocked and I was hurt, but at the same time, I was relieved because I said, "Okay, I'm no longer going to be in that oppressive environment anymore." And and. I was like, I'll be free. That's what I thought. And then the days went on and I still felt burdened. I felt heavy. I felt traumatized. I felt, um, I just felt like I, I wasn't good. And I, I couldn't, I was losing sleep. I like had, I still had insomnia. I still wasn't sleeping and I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I just began to realize I was hurt. Like I had been violated and I just felt like, I needed to do something about that because obviously not doing anything and going to therapy and, and just talking to my friends and family wasn't helping me. And, um, so that was one part of it. I think the second part that was humiliating for me and it it just also roused me up and got me amped was that they, after all the work that I had done, all of my accomplishments, they only offered me one week severance. And when I started to talk to people, you know, Planned Parenthood is a multi-million dollar organization. I was almost there for two years. I spoke to people who were like, oh man, I worked at an organization and I was barely showing up and I was there for three weeks and they gave me, you know, four weeks severance. Like, how do you work there for almost two years and only get one week severance? And I felt like that was kind of like the organization giving me the middle finger and I didn't feel good about that. And I felt like, yeah, I wanted, I, I just can't let that go. And um, I'm trying to think 
There is something else, honestly, and I don't talk about it too much. I think I probably mentioned it to my attorneys, but in March of 2021, and I don't talk to, because it's about a dream and some people don't take dreams seriously. But in March of 2021, I remember I had this very vivid dream and I woke up and I remembered all of it. And the gist of it was that I was a whistleblower calling PP out. And I remember talking to my mentor the next, the very next day. And I said, that is the craziest, wildest dream I ever had. I just, that's so not me. I said, I remember saying like, how would I even be in a position to be a whistleblower? How would I even be in a position to even call this organization out? Because at this point I already knew that all eyes were on me and I knew that I had to keep my head down, be silent and continue to work if I wanted to work in peace. Right. So I wasn't even like, I wasn't even talking out of speaking up at that point. I was just like working hard and just being quiet. So I was like, there's no way I'll ever be in that position. And I remember my mentor, Dr. Monica McLemore was like, you know what, Nicole, I had that same dream about you like three months ago, but I never wanted to tell you because I didn't want to put that burden on you. But she's like, you're, you're going to make a change at this organization one way or another. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And we never talked about it again. And then, you know, fast forward, I don't know, seven or eight months. And, and here I am. And I, I, I do believe like sometimes dreams are navigators for us and they're North stars for us. And so that also kind of convinced me to look out and seek out um, representation for a lawsuit. It's just all coming together in a way that I feel was predestined, which sounds crazy, but I do. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Um, well, let's talk about some of the things, some of the allegations that you've made against Planned Parenthood. Because when I first saw this article on the Daily Beast, um, like I read through it and I was like, yeah, that probably happened. Yeah, that probably happened. Because for every story that you told, I had an equal story from at least one or two organizations that I work for. One of the reasons I really wanted to talk with you is because your story is so relatable to black women specifically. Um, so much of your story, I was like, yeah, that happened to me. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pet my hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, race card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> why do you think I can I ask you a question? Why do you think you stay quiet? Like, why do you think we stay quiet all the time when when we're because I, I ask this question because honestly, uh, maybe 85 percent of the responses I've gotten from black folks, especially and, and Latinos have been like, I I'm going through this. Or I've been through this. And and no one's surprised. No one is surprised. Right. And so I'm like, so why the silence? So I haven't had a day job since 2011. So put that in context. And my last job before that, I worked for Essence for four years. My first job was working for a city agency. And my boss was a South Asian woman, brown woman. Um, and she hated me from the day I came in the door. I lasted there for a year. Um, she intentionally made my life absolutely miserable. Like she actively tried to get me fired. And I just left. I found another job. Um, and I think that's what most people do. I just found another job and I left and went on to something else. It paid better. Um, it was a better working environment. I stayed there for a couple of years. And then I left there and I went to a publisher. The first woman I worked under was really dope. And then they promoted me to work under someone else, to work for a bigger um, publishing line or publishing imprint rather. And that woman was sheer terror. Like she hated <laughs> everything about me. And like, you know me, I'm pretty on it. Um, like she would tell me I couldn't write, I couldn't edit. And I was like, me? You know, I have my faults. Mm-hmm. That's not one of them. Um, but she just like stayed in my ass nonstop. And so it's the complaints that you're speaking about in the lawsuit about like, okay, you, you tell me to participate and you want my ideas and then I give them to you and you basically tell me to shut up and mind my business. Like what? That's supposed yep, to be my job. Yep, you know? yep. Like Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm trying to do my job to the best of my ability. Cause that's what you hired me to do. I just got promoted. You're paying me more. I'm trying to be a team player, but it's like, whenever I try to play, you act like you don't want me here. So, and then when I don't, when I fall back, then you complain that I'm not working hard enough. I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. So I just got another job. That's why I left and went to Essence. Yeah. I don't think that, you know what I'm, I, this is all just, I'm learning as I go along, but I think, you know, I, I'm not sure particularly if Planned Parenthood wants black folks to have that type of agency. I think, I think DEI, like we have to, I, I hope we talk more about this. I hope that this case raises the complexities of, of DEI, because I think diversity is great. Obviously we've, we've been fighting for that a long time, but you can have all these people of color and organization, but if you don't have agency, if you don't have equity, if you don't have inclusion, I'm always like, what do you have? Because I work, you know, the, the president of Planned Parenthood is a black woman. The senior VP that I worked under is a black woman. The woman that I directly worked under is um, a Latina. And I just suffered more harm, more anti-black racism, more trauma and more aggression there than I've worked any other place I've worked. And I used to work in finance and I used to work in the entertainment industry where racism, misogyny, sexism is, is, is runs rampant, but it was, it was maybe the worst of Planned Parenthood because I just didn't expect it to be that bad. And so. That's the worst. You're like, Oh, I have an up color boss. I have a black boss. So like I should be good. And then you find out like they're crazier than anybody else. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I was shocked. Honestly, I was shocked. I think I'm, I might have been naive about it. I think you do this work. I've, you know, I've been in nonprofit for a while, and this is definitely not the first time I've experienced racism in the nonprofit sector. But I was just surprised by the agents of of, of racism. It was like I had forgotten. I guess maybe because of who the president was for most of my tenure and working in nonprofits, like it was always, you know white men were 
the 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 face of white supremacy, the face of anti-black racism. And I just had forgotten that, honestly, like that's not that's not the only face. Right. And that black women and black men and and even white women, like definitely white women can be promoters of of white supremacy. And this was a real wake up call for me. Uh, It was a, 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 a traumatic wake up call for me because I honestly like these women, you know, and I, I still struggle with like, I don't want to be, I don't want to fight other black women. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to go to work and have to deal with being um, subjugated and oppressed by other black women. And uh, which is another reason why this lawsuit was like not an easy decision for me. But I also realized that there were more black women leaving Planned Parenthood. Like I was there not even two years and more than a dozen women more than a dozen black women, let me be clear, like left, this just left because they could not take it anymore. And these are smart women. These are like passionate women, passionate about the cause, passionate about reproductive rights. And they leave and they don't even go stay in repro. So now we're losing like all these amazing organizers and activists and thinkers because of, of racism. Yeah. I know two of them very well. You know, which ones I know too. Um, but yeah, no names. Ooh, I could probably guess. <laughs> I know one. I definitely know which one one of them may be, but I would be curious to know who the other one is. We'll talk about that when when, when I record. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and and those women, it's probably if it's especially if it's one of the ones that I think like they don't. This is the thing. Like what you know, I I've spoken to quite a few black women during this process and and after we filed, and so many black women are still afraid to speak up because um, they don't want to um, look like they're being a traitor, not, not so much to Planned Parenthood, but to the black women that are leading the organization, which I think is interesting. And I think it's also valid, but it's, it's, if someone doesn't step up, then what, what's going to happen to the movement? I always say, what's going to happen? People are like, Oh, this is not a good time. Or, you know, you're hurting the movement. Like the movement is hurting black women. Like what is more important to you? Like, I think for me, I want to talk about the hurt that black women are enduring because at the end of the day, if all these black women are leaving the movement to do other work, then is it, are we just, do we not care about that? Are we just going to be satisfied with a reproductive movement or women's movement with just white women, with just black women that are in the movement that use white supremacy? Or do we not care about who is who wants to be in this movement? Who's there to fight? And then what about the people that endure? Like what kind of, I always think about the, what kind of mental and psychological and emotional state these women are going to be in to really, really fight battles, you know? And it's just, we're at a place where we have to do something, where I at least have to do something. Let's get into the, the details of um, some of the things that you and your colleagues, because this isn't just a, a, a lawsuit that says like these things happened to me. You were like, no, it wasn't just me. It was me and a whole lot of other people, too. And here's 51 mm-hmm. pages of examples of, uh, <laughs> of, of, of what happened. Did you tell your colleagues that you were going to name them or your former colleagues that you were going to name them in this lawsuit? There are some people who were named that um, are, they provided witness statements. And so they are named. And then the other people that are named um, that I named I don't know if I told all of them, but they are aware of the issues, you know? Um, and I didn't, I think people that were named that 
I that were I'm trying to think of how to phrase this that were mentioned just as part of my story that were integral to my story that I may not have told that were in this case I didn't say anything disparaging about them. When I was reading on the the Daily Beast article and for people who are listening I'm not going through the whole thing but it's definitely worth a read um, to get all of the details. But you have a couple incidents that were just really kind of crazy. So can you tell me sort of like your top three that you were just like, huh? What? Is this really mm-hmm. happening? Is this real life? Wow. That's a good top to make it make me think about the top three. The first one I could think of is just because it was my, maybe my second week there, um, which is the one that you kind of uh, alluded to earlier in our conversation is that we um, the uh, senior VP had emailed me and, uh, and maybe eight other people on the comms team to ask if we had any ideas or recommendations for expanding AMJ, Alexis McGill Johnson's profile to expand it to more multicultural Black and Latino audiences. Um, And I was not copied on the email. The email was sent to me. I was in the two line. And so I responded um, almost immediately. And I was saying like, oh, I actually have a great idea and a great connect um, my friend Beverly Bond runs this amazing organization called Black Girls Rock, and they're doing uh, a b- big Black Girls Rock conference in D.C. In, in like two months. And let's let me see if I can get a if you don't if you think it's a cool idea, I will work and pitch and see if we can get AMJ on this panel. Everyone was like, great idea. So glad to have you working at Planned Parenthood. This is the kind of energy and ideas we need. Um, and then um, the VP of my department, Rachel Moreno, like she came, she, this is when we're in office. So this is before we went, um, we were in lockdown. We were in the actual office, which was one of those open spaces where everyone sits like maybe 20 people at one desk. And I was like headed, feeling good actually. Like, oh yeah, I just did that. I'm going out to lunch now. And as I was headed out of the office, she was headed in and she literally said, I need to talk to you right now. Um, did not take me to a conference room, did not say like, let's meet privately somewhere, but like in the middle of the floor was like, from now on, when you get these type of emails, you, I don't need you to respond to them. You should just be quiet. You need to listen in. You're new here. You don't know how things go. This is a complex organization. You should just keep to yourself, be quiet and, and, and let everybody else weigh in. And I was like, what? I thought I was hired to do this type of work. Literally my title is multicultural brand um, director of brand engagement. And I was like, this falls into my scope of work. And I, I remember going out to lunch and almost like crying in the middle of like wall street. Like I was like, I'm so hurt by this. And, and saw a couple of coworkers, one person who I knew before I started at Planned Parenthood, who was now Planned Parenthood and shared with her. And she was like, that is absolutely absurd. And like, you should say something about this, like at least tell her that you're not going to work like this at the very least. She was like, I don't think human resources will be helpful, but you should speak to her about it. Um, and I did. And she was, she said that, you know, she was, she literally clutched her pearls. Literally. I was like, Oh my God, I didn't mean to um, demean you. And I was just like, really? Like what else could that have been? Um, so that was the first thing. And that was two weeks in and that was totally surprising to me because one, like I said, it was part of my job, I thought. And two, just the idea, like you hire me on a director level and then tell me to be quiet and that I should be silent. Like you're an intern. Um, Right, right. I I don't even think interns should be treated like that. Like that, it was just, it was absolutely absurd. 
The second thing was, um, try again, me trying to put my best foot forward. And there was something called a black engagement strategy table. And we called it best for short. And that table had not been active. And the table is just a, basically a meeting. We meet, we would meet once a month to discuss, and it was across divisions of all of Planned Parenthood. So we could talk like develop folks in development that are working on black engagement strategy, could talk with people in organizing, could talk to people in comms, could talk to people in brand. Um, and we could all figure out what people are doing and see if there were any ways that all of us could work together, if there was any synergy. So that table had been defunct and inactive for maybe, it was something crazy, Demetria, maybe like eight months and this is in, we're talking like eight months starting in, I want to say 2020, like the fall of 2020, maybe, um, if not earlier than that, I think the last meeting we had was maybe October, 2020. And if you remember 2020, that was the year of George Floyd being killed. Breonna, like every, like if there was any time that we should be talking about black engagement and strategy, and we should all be focused in together and talking about this was that was the time. And so after about eight months, my colleagues and I were like, well, we should try to just volunteer because we understood that that table was run by um, members of the organizing strategic partnerships team. And three of the members of that team uh, or two members had left. Another person was sick. Another person was on maternity leave. So they really were short staffed. So we said, okay, we're in comms, we're in brand. We can, there's three of us here. We said, let's, we talked about it. And we said, okay, we'll volunteer to um, host the table until, you know, the person either comes back from maternity leave or they hire more people. Sent an email out saying that I would do this with the help of these two colleagues. The response I got was an immediate phone call saying, how dare you? Who do you think you are volunteering to set up this table? You know that working at Planned Parenthood is not a democracy. You have to know your place. You can't just go and do these type of things. You can't do whatever you want to do here. You have to run them by us and get our permission. And furthermore, we're not giving you permission to set up any tables because you don't have the bandwidth to do it. And I was like, wow, again, being treated like a five-year-old, you know, and, and, and I'm not trying to, we weren't trying to showboat. We're not trying to, you know, grandstand. We're trying to actually set up some work, a table that would actually um, make Planned Parenthood a better organization um, for black folks, you know, whether they're the patients or the donors or supporters, like this is what we wanted to do because we were genuinely um, interested in doing it. And so, that was a surprise to me. And I think the, the, the third most surprising thing, and it's really honestly hard to pick out the three most horrific things, which is sad to say, but I would say maybe not so horrific as it was absolutely surprising. And it just showed how, how absolutely petty they could be was thanks to the support of my consultant at the time, Tina Farris. She had contacted Array. Um, and if you know anything about Array, you know that it's run by Ava DuVernay. And they were... Tina, Tina, like the roots, Tina? Yes, yes, yes. So she was working with me at Planned Parenthood, right. And we were, Planned Parenthood had released in 2020 a documentary, a short. And it was it was a really well done short called Hours to Tell, which highlighted the stories of, of um, women who have had abortions 
Um, and those women were all black and, and Latino identified. So we were, my job really was to try to find outlets and ways to promote this specifically and especially to black and Latino audiences. So Array was like, oh, we're interested. We could screen it virtually on our website. We could screen it on the anniversary of Roe. We were like so blown away, so excited. It would have been a paid partnership, paying them to to do the film, which would was great. And they weren't not asking for a lot of money for the type of audience we would be exposed to. Tina and I were like, oh, great, this is on. Let's run it. Let me just, um, and I had already spoken to Rachel Moreno and Melanie Newman, the two people I reported to, and they knew that I was in talks with Ava DuVernay. So when I told them though, that we have the green light and they're actually interested in doing this, we have a date, we actually have a whole plan around how we're doing this. They were like, you know what? Um, you didn't give us the full details. We needed to know this ahead of time. So we're telling you, no, we can't, we're not going to do this. And that's when I really knew like they didn't, they don't care about spreading the word. They, they didn't care about black engagement. They didn't care about multicultural brand engagement, because if you did, you would not be shutting down the opportunity for Ava DuVernay to promote a film to our audience. It would have definitely been the biggest screening to a, a majority black audience Planned Parenthood would have had. But they said no, simply because they were mad at me and they were hating on me and they were just they were not building me up for success. They wanted me to fail. They wanted to piss me off. They wanted to, um, you know, just create hurt. And that's what it was hurtful because we had worked so hard. It was embarrassing now to go back to Array and say, no, we can't do it. And the excuse they told me to give them was like, oh, we're not. We decided it's not part of our strategy to screen the film in 2021. I don't even think that's true, but that was what I was told to tell them. And it's insane. Whether it was your strategy or not, if if the biggest filmmaker in the world is telling you she wants to host a screening of your film, like why would you not do that? I also really want to be clear that this lawsuit, it's not like, you know, you just endured this and then, you know, you were let go from the company and then like a year later you filed a lawsuit. Like along this whole way, you were reporting to HR and saying, hey, this is happening. This is not okay. And then what happened? Yeah, I reported to HR one time because I already had heard from other people who had reported to HR. Um, and and those accounts are, are in my complaint where other my other colleagues would talk about it and literally HR, the woman would scream at them. Like, I'm not going to HR to get screamed at. And HR they would get screaming at people or the HR yes. person. Yes. Oh yes. Like, why are you coming to me with this? Like, why are you playing the race card? These are, these are the things that's been reported. She would say to folks. Um, and they, they're not helpful. I was told maybe my second day there, HR is not to be trusted because you tell them, and they will find a way to, they will one, not keep it confidential and they will find a way to retaliate against you. Um, but I did, I did notify them because as we all know, as black women, I always feel like the one thing you do is keep your screenshots and you, um, you, right. And you make a report to HR just so you have it on record. Right. And so I did that and she was not helpful at all. She didn't understand. She was saying, you know, I remember I was like, I am been written up. I'm on this. I have a performance improvement plan. A PIP is called. And I said, this is, it's just not like, she's saying that this hasn't happened and this hasn't happened. And it's not true. She's like, well, there must be some part of it that's true in order for her to write this up. I'm like, no, there's none of it is true. And I'm trying to find out if there's anything that can be done. Um, like what are the, like, is there a basis for this? Is there like an investigation? She was like, there's none of that. This is these, a PIP is just written up 
to go in your file to make sure that um, your work improves. And once she told me that, I realized there was nothing anybody was going to do for me and that I was, I was on my own. So I just, you know, I lodged that complaint and that was that. Yeah, that's, um, that's crazy. It it was, and it was traumatizing. I'll never, you know, um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just, I just, something just came into my mind. I remember this was maybe like November or December of 2020. And it must've been a Thursday. It was a day I met with my mentor and we met maybe every other Thursday. And I just remember I probably had four meetings that day. Wow. And I I feel like so emotional telling this story because it's the thing that really broke me that day. I had four meetings that day. They were all black women. Um, in, in various departments. I remember my first meeting, I met with someone in development and she said, oh, I have something to tell you. And I said, what, you're leaving? She goes, yeah, I'm leaving. So I was already broken up about that. I was very close to her. And she was just like, I just can't take it anymore. And she left. And then my second meeting was in the afternoon. And I was just getting an update from someone about a project. And she was like going through it, reading me the report and giving me the update um, and then she got an email from her boss or someone and she said, hold on one second. And then she just started to cry. And I was like, oh, you know, we could take a minute. She goes, no, I'll be okay. But she couldn't get it together. She just explained to me just how, how triggered she felt working there and how, how small she felt and like this wasn't for her. And I was like, wow, it's crazy. An hour later, I go to meet with someone else in a different department. This is all virtually on, on Zoom. And, um, she was late coming into the call. And I was just like, I remember texting her. I was like, I'm on the line. If you need to reschedule, let me know. She goes, no, I'll be right with you. Just give me a minute. And she got on the call and um, she's actually named in my case. I won't name here, here, but she's named in my, in the complaint. And she's, she's spoken out about what's happened to her, but I got, she got on the call and she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm late. I was like, no problem. And I, all I said were two words. I I said to her, I said, how are you beautiful? And she busted out and she started crying, like sobbing, like a 10 year old person. And I said, what is going on today? I couldn't believe it. And she was also saying just like how hard the job is for her. And I remember her saying specifically, like, it's one thing to be harassed, (sighs) working for Planned Parenthood and being harassed by white women. And, And it was another thing to be harassed by black women. But she's like, I just got off a call and I was talking to other black folks in repro justice, like these repro justice leaders. And she had, she was giving them a grant and she couldn't give them the money she wanted to because of whatever someone in her department was telling her that like, that was too much and was basically telling her how much money she had. She could grant these other RJ organizations. And these black women were upset. They will, and took it out on her. And, and she was like, I just can't win. And she sobbed. And I remember, I'll never forget that day. Cause I said, what kind of place is this that I'm working at that I've literally talked to three, three black people and they were all distraught and traumatized. And I spoke to my mentor that day and I thought I was good. And my mentor just asked me like, how are things going? And I started crying and I was like, this is crazy. This, this is what systemic racism does. It breaks people down. It makes people just unable to cope. And so I I don't know how I got there. Just it popped up in my mind and I was just thinking about, you know, so people ask me why I'm doing, going back to your first question, why am I doing this? I'm doing this for all those black women that were on calls that Thursday crying their hearts out, you know? Um, And people could say it's a bad time, but when is a good time then? If, 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 if this isn't a good time to talk about racism, to talk about 
discrimination to, you know, like when, when is the time? I just don't understand what that moment is. When people like we always talk about time and like, why now it's not the right time. Like my favorite response to them is always to send them back to Martin Luther King and letter from a Birmingham jail, just because it's like constantly like, Oh, not now, not now. And it's like, if not now, when? Um, And the thing is, the fact is, Black women have remained quiet working at Planned Parenthood and for other social good organizations, for the good of the organization, for the good of the movement, particularly in Repro. We've been like, well, we'll keep quiet because we, you know, we want to fight the good fight. and We want to look at it at at like a united front. So we keep quiet and Roe still is overturned. Does it really, are we (laughs) to say that we would be the cause of, of the fall of the movement? Is, is such BS because the, the movement is falling. The movement is in shambles right now. And it's probably in shambles, I would argue, because of decentering Black women, because folks aren't really trusting Black women to lead, because folks are not really standing by Black women. So I'm just going to take a chance to say, hey, let's try to center these voices. Let's let's try to like create um, a movement where Black women are really trusted and centered and celebrated and not harmed. And let's see how much we can accomplish. Because my theory is that like, that could be like the win that we need to, to, to make this movement progressive and radical and victorious. Like I'm, I'm just going to take that risk. I just want to go back for a second. Cause you were speaking about the four other women on the, the call and, and they were all, you know, like in tears, they were upset. They were distraught. Um, you ended up in the hospital as a result of your experience your harassment kind of really, um, at work. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that was, I think that was also a Thursday. I woke up and this was, um, after I had been put on final warning and I had to do like these 11 projects or seven projects, um, and have them done within 30 days. And I was, it was maybe two, I was halfway through, it was like midway. It was the first week of October and I just woke up and my heart was racing, but I was like, okay, maybe I had too much coffee. And then I just had problems breathing and that's what really started to scare me. And but I'm still at work because I still am like, I try, I have to try to finish this. I'm literally a team of one. I can't even say, Oh, I don't feel well. You know, can someone else take this on for me? And I'm a team of, I'm a multicultural team of one. And so if I don't do this work, no one else is going to do it and I'm going to get blamed and I'm possibly going to get fired. One second. You were the multicultural brand director and there was, you had no team. That's right. So I'm a team of one. I know. And doing the work of like what corporate partnerships was doing, corporate partnerships, a team of three people, strategic partnerships, a team of three people. Like I'm doing the same amount of work when the end of the month reports, when the quarterly reports are coming out and you're looking at the, the amount of work I'm doing, the amount of accomplishments, successes, like my metrics, like I'm rivaling those teams. That was, that was my, yeah, that was my experience. So I'm, I'm this day, I'm just not, I'm not recovering. I'm just like, it's getting worse as the day is progression. And then by four o'clock, I'm dizzy. I, I can't catch my breath. And my heart is just like, I'm like going to have a heart attack. So I just remember telling someone like I've basically, you know, I could afford things are quieting down a bit. So I was just like, I'm just going to have to tap out right now. And see what's going on. And I remember going to, it was just the wildest day because October of, this is October of 2021. This is when Delta was like showing his ass and it was hard to get medical attention um, quickly. Anyway, I went to, I live in Harlem. I went to the local CVS. 
I just wanted to get my blood pressure taken because I was like, is it a heart attack? Is it a stroke? What is happening to me? And they're like, oh, it'll be 45 minutes before we can get to you. And I was like, oh, I'll be damned if I die in a CVS. <laughs> I went to urgent care. The line was out the door to go into urgent care. And I'm just like, this is crazy. And I just, I called a friend who actually worked at that urgent care, but she was off that day. And I told her my symptoms and she's like, oh, those are all so serious. Like get to an emergency room. If you can get to your local doctor that'll be great. So I just went downtown and I went and it was elevated. I remember the first time they, I went to the emergency room and they took my blood pressure. They were like, Oh, it is high. Um, you're not just talking. So then uh, they took it again. It was high. And I ended up just being there. And it was like the dizziness that was, it was just in the dizziness that was also just very scary. And I just, I don't know. I probably got there at five. I did not get back home until like three in the morning. Um, and they were like, yeah, you're just having, it's not even just, you're having a panic attack. And they were like, we're seeing, it's funny. The doctor was like, we're seeing so much of this from people working and working their asses off during a pandemic. It is just creating people who have never had anxiety before having serious major, um, anxiety attacks. And it was throwing off. There's something with your nasal passages that if you're stressed out so much, it triggers certain things. And that was causing the dizziness. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was where I ended up, you know, and it, and then, you know, months after I was fired, maybe two months, my hair started to fall out and I, I wasn't sure if that was a result of, of working at, at Planned Parenthood. And the doctor was like, oh yeah, because you know, your hair follicles, like they were going through a probably duress when you were working, but the, you start, it starts to manifest like two or three months later. So it was it was crazy, and there are there are other people that ended up in the hospital, ended up going to see doctors, ended up having nervous breakdowns that worked there. That's that's my point. It's just it wasn't just like oh, I'm having a bad day. It's like oh, I'm having a bad year, and now I'm having physical like repercussions from working there. So, what do you want from Planned Parenthood? Do you want money? Do you want an apology? Do you want do you want a change in the organization? Do you want all of those things? What are you seeking? I want all of those things. I want I want them to change. I want them to stop harming black women. I want them to listen to black women. We um working there, I think I was given three surveys. All and the surveys were all about, you know, your please talk to us and answer these questions about your experiences around um race and how you feel about um, working at Planned Parenthood, and they were all to gauge and measure how much, basically how much harm we were enduring at Planned Parenthood. And we went through these surveys and they, so they know, they know there's a, there's a problem. Alexis on record on her tweets in the New York Times has talked about issues of racism at Planned Parenthood at the national office. And they talk about it they write long letters, they write op-eds, but they don't do the work and, and really listen to employees to make changes. Their, their, their human resources, how, they, how the human resources is set up needs to change um, so that they are not, so, so it's a safe place for folks. And I don't know what that is going to fully entail, but obviously people New people need to be brought in. Maybe some of the old people need to leave. I think they should issue a public apology to myself and to everyone else that are, that they have harmed. I think um, that they should really do the reckoning of racism and not just talk the talk. 
two things I do have specifics on. I do think they should offer the union. A union has been trying to form at Planned Parenthood in the New York National Office for over two years now, and they're fighting the union. They're fighting workers who want better wages, more equity, more transparency. Stop fighting the union and offer them a fair contract. I think the board of Planned Parenthood, someone needs to check them. I don't know what is happening. They're hiring people that are causing harm. And that obviously something needs to be changed because this has been gone for this has been going on for years. There is something in the water there. And I like again, I'm always like change out the entire pot of water and, and start fresh. I think it's worth noting BuzzFeed did a, a an expose, I think, of the racism, alleged racism, I have to say, so I don't get sued. They did an article in two articles, in fact, in 2020 about the racism there. So you're not the first. And unfortunately, I don't think the last person who's going to step up and say there's a problem here. There's clearly something going on. I am the first person to do it publicly, though. So hopefully that will be the change that's necessary because those BuzzFeed articles were great. And we thought that there would be a change after those articles. But all of the people in those stories were anonymous because, you know, there were a lot of current employees talking in those stories. And so people wanted to save their jobs. It was 2020, the height of the pandemic. People were afraid of being fired, afraid of retaliation. I'm coming forward now because I I have to, I want to. And honestly, I don't have too much to lose at this point. I've already lost my job, right? I've lost my benefits and I've, I've lost my peace of mind. So I'm just, right now I can only gain and I can only move up from here. Are you employed right now? No, I'm not. Can I work for you? (laughs) Girl, I- <laughs> oh, what do you recommend for other Black women, wherever they're working, who are experiencing nearly exactly the things that you're speaking about in your lawsuit? What would you, what advice would you give to them? I would suggest a document everything. First of all, first and foremost, um, I don't. I think, yeah, just take screenshots, send yourself like emails, keep a journal. I would say. Find a base of support. It is great if you can find that base within your your organization. That is what honestly sustained me. I had I had people there, and not just black women, but I had um, black men. I had white women. I had white men. I had like folks from the Pride ERG, like just having my back and saying, like, even me speaking up and saying, like, I'm surprised that no black people will promote it. You know people slacking me and saying, thank you for saying this. We have your back. We appreciate you. That sustains you and that will sustain your peace of mind. I will say that if you can try to try to speak up, I, I think silence is black violence. I will always say that. And I think we have to pick and choose our battles, but at the same time, we have to prioritize our mental health. And I know that there is an amazing, incredible trend now to lift up and and center our mental health. We've never done this before. We've always been like, just take this shit, put your head down, keep, just get that check, get those benefits, right? Get that bonus at the end of the year. Meanwhile, we're, you know, in therapy, freaking out. We were, we can't sustain relationships or our, our marriages because we're so burnt out. We're so filled with resentment from our jobs that we are losing all of the, 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 the fruits and pleasures of life. And I don't think it is worth it. And I don't think our ancestors worked as hard as they did for us to put all that on the line. And I think 
we have to say to ourselves, what is more important, my mental health or this paycheck? And I, I see, not even I think, I see people choosing their mental health now. And I'm inspired by that. And I hope that other people will be inspired by that and take note and, and take as much as you can, but do not endure um, do not stay at a place where you have to endure so much impression that you're like losing yourself. Would you recommend they file a lawsuit? Uh, I mean, my attorneys on this call, I would probably say yes. You know what? I would say yes. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to that. I would say yes. I wish I, this is not the first time I've been through some absolute crazy fuckery. I wish I knew what I knew now. I didn't know I had the right. I didn't even know I had the audacity. I didn't have the audacity to file a lawsuit. I didn't have the boldness. I didn't have the courage and I didn't have the, the, the insight to even know that legally I had a right to say or file a claim or a complaint. I did not, I did not know that. I I wish if I, uh, again, if I knew that I just think about, and this will be quick. I know we have to wrap. There was a I got a job through a recruiter, a headhunter to work at a financial firm. And it was my first day and my first time working for a financial firm. And I remember my mom lent me money to buy a really expensive suit. I wore this suit the first day. It was a blue suit. And I showed up at this consulting firm. And I remember the white woman who I was supposed to be working for reporting to was like, oh, you're here. Okay, great. Just hang out in the library for a few minutes, hung out there for maybe 30 minutes. She finally comes back. She goes, okay, so this is what we're going to do today. Um, The library is a little dusty and it needs to be cleaned up. And she handed me a rag and a a thing of pledge and was like, can you dust the library today? We'll figure out what we're going to do with you tomorrow. I was devastated. I went to a top college in this country. I did not graduate being in debt with... um, with so much expectation to clean somebody's shelves. And I ended up dusting those shelves and I never went back that day. My headhunter cursed me out for like not showing up. That was a lawsuit. Like I could have said something. I just didn't know. I just, again, like you said, I kept my head down. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I was hurt, but I just said, I'll just look for another job. And I kept it moving. I wish I knew what I knew now then. Yeah, well, you asked me before. You were like, well, why didn't I speak up and say something? I genuinely didn't know. Like, the worst of that stuff, I was probably 22, mm-hmm. somewhere between 22 and 25. I needed a job. You That's know? right. I needed, like, a paycheck and a half just to cover rent in Brooklyn at the time. You know? So it was like, I can't really shake the table. I can't quit. I'm scared to complain because, like, if something happens, I get fired. This rent ain't pay itself. And I didn't know that, like, some of the things that... um that my, my boss, especially the first one, I didn't know that some of the things that she did would be considered harassment. Exactly. To my friends, we all have very similar stories. So I just thought that that's kind of what happens. It's like a black woman working. Like, yeah, they say shit about your hair. Like, yeah, they talk crazy to you. Like, yeah, like, you know, they accuse you of bizarre things and you're caught between a rock and a, a, rock and a hard place. But then I also think like, the speech that Olivia Pope's dad gave her that every black parent gives their kid is that you gotta be twice as good um, that's and right. work twice as hard. That's just it. So I was like, that's okay, right. that's just my lot as a black woman. And so that's what I do. But like reading some of the stuff in your lawsuit, I was like, shit, I really could have sued for that. <laughs> yeah, I had no I idea. Know. I had no idea. Chloe. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had no idea. So I will say that much. Like, yes, a lot of what happens in the workplace is unlawful. And that's the word, like unlawful. Like, and we just don't know because because of things that 
are unlawful, I honestly think, especially black women, especially working class, middle class and poor black women, we're just told like to excuse it because um, like you said, like bills need to be paid, food, groceries need to be bought, like, right. So it is a learning experience and I'm glad I know what I do know now. Let me ask you this, my final question. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you want me to get um, into this episode or into this interview? No, just I you covered so much, Demetria. Thank you so much. I just I just want to say again, thanks to everyone who has supported me. Thanks for all the folks that are like DMing me. Thanks for people who are now stepping up saying, like, if you need help, we'll talk to the media. Um, and these are people that worked at Planned Parenthood who have to this point been silent with their pain, who are now coming forward and feeling emboldened. I thank you for this. Like this is just not this is, it's about me, but it's, it's bigger than me. This is about changing. Uh, you know, I think you highlighted it really well here. Like what, what work life should be like for black folks, I think for black women. Um, and, and also I would add for women too, because I, I, I've seen some shit that, you know, women have had to go through, um, at Planned Parenthood. It's just, it's interesting because, you know, part of white supremacy is patriarchy is privilege. And so to see like, patriarchy being used by other women against women is, is devastating, but it's real. And it's just not, it's, it's not normal. Like we have to stop normalizing this type of, of behavior. If we're, if we, if we want the reaper rights movement, if we want the women's rights movement, if we want real social justice, we can't continue to behave and accept this, this as normal. All right. Thank you, my love. Thank you. You're very welcome. That was a lot. That was a lot. I'll just give you a reminder once again, if you haven't had an opportunity to read the Daily Beast article, please do. It's titled Ex-Planned Parenthood Employee Says Racist Toxic Culture Sent Her to the ER. It's a long read, but it's well worth it. So that is the episode for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. I do appreciate you. And I'll be back later this week if I'm not eaten by an animal or attacked in my tent with another episode of Ratchet and Respectable. All right. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. 
Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.